Hey, Pilates Stratosphere. I am pleased to be here with Amanda Delaquilla. Amanda, hey. Hey, how are you going? Yeah, great to be with you. You too. Um, so today we are going to talk about how you decomplexified your client assessment process, but not only how you decomplexified it for yourself, you rolled it out to a team, a different, yes. uh, your new process, you rolled out to a team. So I think this will be of, this will be of interest for people who, who uh, are interested in simplifying their own assessment process and also to people who um, want to, studio owners, business owners who are interested in the eternal problem of how do you roll things out and have the team enthusiastically adopt <laughs> a new process. <laughs> um, so can you, can, can you please introduce yourself to the Pilates Stratosphere? Yeah, of course. Um, hi, my name is Amanda. Um, I am a worker and owner of um, uh, Mission Possible Fitness, MPF um, Studios um, in Sydney. Um, and yeah, I have been teaching Pilates myself for about eight years now. Um, and I'm currently enrolled in the clinical Pilates course with Breathe Education. So um, tell, tell me the, the backstory a little bit, like tell us about your Pilates business and, and what your, well, yeah, first tell us about your Pilates business. Give us a little background. Okay. Oh, some background. Well, we started out as a, um, a boot camp actually. Um, my brother decided to become a personal trainer, um, and he basically asked me what I was doing at the time, which wasn't a lot. So <laughs> I decided to do a personal training course. Um, we were doing an outdoor boot camp and, um, we had three clients and I was one of them and <laughs> we would run five sessions a week. Um, we ended up moving that business um, into a subleasing situation and we decided it would be good for me to um, go and do a different course that we could um, team together two different things. And he suggested Pilates and I rolled my eyes and went, oh, my God, do I have to? And um, so I just went and did it. Um, and what we figured out through that process was it actually served a greater purpose because, um, we had people with injuries, <clears throat> we were doing mainstream classes, just box fit, um, trampoline fitness, tramp fit. Um, we TM'd the, the tramp fit name. Um, we were doing, um, strength sessions and Matt Pilates and yeah, we did that for about, um, four or five years. And what we, <clears throat> what we came to understand was that, um, with, uh, clientele with injuries and, um, uh, post-pregnancy pregnancies, um, so forth and other, um, issues that they were having with their bodies, um, uh, we could team the combination of Pilates and strength training together. And they worked really well functionally for people's bodies. And so what does your business look like now? Uh, it's presumably it's no longer a boot camp in a park. No. <laughs> um, and you, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so you've got, and you told me just off air before we were, before we started recording that you, you've ordered a whole box load of reformers. Um, 
recently as well. So yeah, so what does your business look like now and where does Pilates fit into it? Um, okay, so now now we've transitioned to, we opened a single studio um, in uh, Bella Vista in Castle Hill um, and we had our strength side of the studio and our Pilates side of the studio. So we basically set up performers and studio equipment on mm-hmm. one side, strength training on the other. Um Christmas time two years ago, we had to switch those rooms because the demand for Pilates was doubling the demand for the strength training sessions and personal training. Um, So we've since done that. Um, And in the meantime, in that whole process, we franchised the business and then internally um, had people um, purchase our studios in both Dural and Rouse Hill, which is sort of sitting in a probably they're within a 10-kilometre radius of each other, and all of those three studios have the same setup. They have a massive Pilates studio with reformers and equipment and then a small, a smaller strength training situation, um, and all of those three studios are running, um, operating both with personal trainers and Pilates instructors and clinical Pilates. Um, and then we also have another two studios over at um, Lane Cove and Crow's Nest in Sydney, which is run by uh, Crow's Nest is run by the lovely mm. B, who is one of our one of your instructors, comes through Breathe as well. Um, and yeah, we've got we've got a lot of Breathe people in our in our midst, which is fantastic. Mm. So when you say a a very large Pilates space. Describe that for me. Like what, what equipment have you got in there? Um, each studio's got um, basically um, eight, eight to nine reformers on the floor, uh, Cadillac, ladder barrel, wonder chair, um, various other equipment devices of um, torture uh, <laughs> in, a, in, a shared, in a shared space. Um, so at any time we can have mm-hmm. multiple, say, classes and studio or classes and privates or consultations and privates um, sort of running, you know, next to each other. With each other we have a lot of instructors working um, in the room at the same time. So when you say a class and a, and a studio, you mean like there will be might be like, say, eight people on reformers doing a group session where everyone's kind of doing the same exercise together and then there might be a studio session where you've got three or four clients working on the ladder barrel and the the chair and the Cadillac and each one, each person in the studio session is doing their own individual program? Yeah, individual programs, but yeah. like it's three to one. So the studio caters for group reformer classes, um, studio um, sessions, uh, which we um, have defined as three to one instructor um, and then private sessions as well. So the three to ones are specifically mm-hmm. catered programs for the individual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so th- that so where does your assessment process fit into all of that? Well, we um, our whole business we use a um, Clubworks apps for all of our bookings um, and all of our leads. Let's say um, all of our leads come in. Um, they are contacted, um, everything is booked in and immediately they go into a consultation process. We don't allow, um, anyone to just rock up into a class. Um, everyone that's in a class is there, um, and the instructor has full knowledge of if they haven't personally done the consultation, they have full knowledge of 
um, that person's um, body ailments or any sort of injuries that they may have or um, problems that they may be having and all those notes are documented through Clubworks so those are shared documents between the instructors in the studios so that everyone's on on, on top of I guess what we're doing and where we're going with each client. Huh. So it, it, did I understand you correctly that if I want to come and do a, a group reformer class with with your studio, I have to book in a consult and that whoever does the consult will then basically sort of talk to me about my, presumably my goals and whatnot and figure out what's the best situation, what's the best class, is, is group class actually the best situation for me or should I be doing studio or whatever. Correct. Is that, is that what happens? Yeah. So when you, when you, when you ring us yeah. up and you speak to the lovely Tabitha, you will have a consultation with, um, a two class, um, like, you know, that's the, the, um, the intro pack, let's call it. Um, so for you, if you, if mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. were a new beginner, you might do the consultation and two privates. If you were a long time, um, reformer, um, person that, that kind of had some idea of, of, you know, the reformer and knew their way around, you might do um, just the consultation and then go into the group classes for those two sessions. Hmm. So it sounds like, you know, what you're describing there sounds like to me a very structured process that you've, sounds like you've ironed out all of the kinks from it. Like it seems like a process that is very well defined. So, you know, now we get to the title of today's conversation, which is how to uncomplexify your assessment process. So like, where was the problem? What wasn't working for you? (laughs) Well, we never used to have a consultation process. So that was, that was the problem. Um, and when the Pilates, um, classes started to grow, um, we saw, um, that there was, there was an issue with that, um, where, the, um, mm-hmm. you know, if an instructor had a, a had a group session, say the 5am session and the 5am session, um, the people that were in that class, six of them had been coming for a really, really long time and um, a new person decided to drop into that class, um, you know, adjustments would have to be made to that program for the morning, for example, um, which is, you know, most mm-hmm. our, all of our instructors are capable of doing that on the spot, of course, but we want to make it... Um, you know, so that everyone's getting the most out of that 45 minutes, you know, whether they're a beginner or whether they're, you know, wherever they mm-hmm. are in their Pilates journey, everyone's at a different spot, you know. Right. And so do you, are you, are you saying that you see, uh, like it's, it's, I agree with you that it's a skill to be able to uh, accommodate someone who's a, a brand new beginner alongside people who are more experienced. But I think there also is some kind of limit to that. Like if I've got, half a dozen people in the class who are like very experienced and really just want to go hard. And then there's someone who's trying to figure out which is the foot bar and which is the carriage. It's hard. It's going to be pretty hard to accommodate both of those people in a way that leaves them going, oh, that was awesome. That's exactly what I needed. So so I think you can do it up to a point, but then there's a limit to to it. And so are you saying that that was becoming a problem for you? Well, yeah, because our, our, like our, our mission as a business and our goal has always been to, um, to educate and achieve individuals and help them with their fitness goals and um, to do that through education, training and support. And we find that when we know who's in the class and we're able to support them and divide our attention equally between those people, that's very successful. 
people mm-hmm. love the love the experience that they're yeah. having and you know that they're getting what they're coming in for yeah and i think you're right in that um, what you're implying there is that if i've got a group of six or seven really experienced people and then one a brand new beginner well sure i can give the them different levels of challenge and exercises and I can, you know, move some people faster and some people slower through the workout if I'm skilled enough. But it probably does mean I'm going to spend a disproportionate amount of my attention on that new person. Yeah. And that the more experienced people are going to get a commensurately smaller amount of my attention. It's like in reality, they're the ones paying the bills. Like they're the ones coming three times a week for the last two years. Exactly. Exactly. And it's about dividing um, the attention appropriately and not only um, not only that is that um, giving the client what what they're coming in for, but um, I, I don't want anyone to feel uncomfortable or out of their depth in that situation either, because I think that that's unfair, and I think yeah. that I don't want someone to feel like leave the class and feel like, oh my gosh, I just I felt not enough, or you know, we're not about that. It's um, you know, I never want to yeah. put someone in that position where they yeah. feel that. Whether they're amazing or whether they're a beginner, you know, you can feel that on all levels. Okay. So, all right. So you were having people just kind of show up in your group classes and that was becoming a problem. So, yes, I had – so tell tell me the story of how you introduced this assessment process then. Um, So the assessment process is basically um, we book an hour consultation with that client. Um, They get booked in with one of our – uh, one of our instructors, and we basically um, we sit down. We had a consultation form, um, and our original process was um, we have an hour with that person, and um, there's conversation. There's conversation that includes um, um, talking about um, them, talking about why they're here. Um, you know, that's a really important question. You know what? why are you here today and what's brought you to us, Um, hearing some of their story, um, finding out what they need. Um, And then we kind of were going through about 10 or 15 exercises um, on the mat and on the reformer just to see where they were at within their own body. you know, because in that sort of conversation process, we might be talking about um, injuries, surgeries, conditions that they may have in their body, um, how that's affected them. Um, there's a lot of information I think that's derived about a person in that conversation that's very, very important. And I would say that before they even move, I can, we can almost sense what's, what's happening in their body through that conversation. It is important. It's very important. Um, what, what we're being told. Yeah, I agree. I yeah. think it's, I think it's, I think it's probably the most important part of the assessment. Absolutely. It's, um, and a lot of the times, you know, those consultations, um, vulnerability is shown, you know, and honesty and, um, it's, it's, it's not uncommon for people to, to break down. They, they might be frustrated by an, indi- by an injury. They might be having a really hard time at work. They could be stressed. There could be all sorts of things going on in their lives. And that becomes very apparent when, when we see them move their bodies, <laughs> those things, you know, they stick out. 
All right. So you're doing this. Uh, so is that your current process, or is that is that the process before you made these changes? That was our current pros- process. Um, oh, sorry. That was sorry. That was before. It's sim- we've simplified it since since this point. Um, probably since okay. been in the court. So yeah. when, so so when you all right. So when you would do it, so you would sit down and talk with somebody, understand their story and their motivations, their goals, their concerns. Um, their history, and then you know you would put them through a, a sequence of twelve to fifteen exercises that would basically, and tell me if I've got this right, sort of assess their spinal range of motion, their strength, their flexibility, their those types, of, their coordination, those types of things, right? Correct. So, yeah. So after you've seen them do, you know, roll up plus swan dive plus push ups plus whatever, that you've got a pretty good idea of where they're at physically. Yeah. All right, and then based on that, and plus plus their goals, then you'll decide. Okay, well, you should start with studio, or you should start with group, or you should start with one on ones, or whatever. Absolutely, <clears throat> absolutely, and we we leave that. I mean, when we go through the consultation process with our instructors, um, we we encourage them to use their intuition as to where that person should be. Um, should should start their journey, their Pilates journey, um, and you know, um, yeah. Either are they suitable to go straight into group? You know, you can get someone coming in for an assessment, and they've done five years of Pilates, and you do a full hour of Pilates with them on the reformer, and they're doing acrobatics in that hour. Whereas other people are just sitting at footwork and they're getting used to the carriage move and there's some nerves and perhaps they should do a couple of private sessions so they, they can feel familiar around the equipment before we drop them into a group environment um, just to make sure that they're comfortable in their movement, you know. I love the uh, – I, what I think I hear is an implication there is that basically your instructors who are performing the assessment, they're being – sounds like they're being pretty directive towards the end of the session where they say, hey, uh, here's what I think you need to do. Right, you need to do one-on-ones or you need to do group or whatever. Absolutely. I think that, Raph, even if, if you came into my studio and I had a 20-minute conversation with you, um, that conversation is enough for me to tell you how I can help you achieve your goals. So let's look at it as a prescription. You know, when I when I go to the Cairo and I leave and she says, okay, I'll see you next week, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm seeing you next week. Okay, great, and I just do it. Right. Because she knows my goals. Right. She knows where it's I want to so be. interesting, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Like when we go to when, – when we as Pilates instructors go to somewhere like we go to a chiropractor, we wouldn't, you know, sort of – you would expect the chiropractor to sit down and talk with us and ask us what the problem was and all, you know, all that chiropractor stuff that they ask. Yep. But then we would expect the chiropractor to make decisions about the treatment, right? We wouldn't expect the chiropractor to say, I would – well, I could – crack your SI joint, or if you prefer, I could massage your piriformis, <laughs> right. uh, or or we could just do hamstring stretches, you know, <laughs> yeah. up to you. It's like, yeah. I, it, we, we, and yet we often expect something similar from, as, as Pilates instructors, we often expect our clients to make decisions about what the best plan is for their own health and fitness. It's like, you know, we say to the client, oh, would you like to do one-on-ones or would you like to do studio or would you like to do group and and of, of course like the client's preferences are an important part of, of course you know, they are of the conversation yeah 
but but yeah, I, I really like that idea that it just seems weird to me actually that you know, when we go to a, another health professional, we'd expect them to make a lot of the decisions about the treatment after they've understood our goals and our all of, you know, had that conversation with us. But we wouldn't expect them to consult us of like, oh, how many treatments would you like to do or whatever. It's like you it's like you'd expect the chiropractor to tell you how many treatments you need. Exactly. Right? You wouldn't expect them to ask you how many treatments would you like. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. When or when can you afford to come? You know, is it that once seems a month? Like something, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that's I feel like that's something you you're doing very right is um you know listening to the client, understanding their story, their goals, their motivations, their concerns, their their limitations, their physical limitations, whatever it might be. Yeah. And then once you've understood what they want, your expertise is like, "Oh, well my expertise is to help you go from here to there," right? And what you need to go from here to there is you need to do this. This is the pathway. Do this, then do this, then do this. Exactly. And it's for me, it's an easy process because um, if someone's just spent an hour telling me what they want, then I'm going to say, well, if, if this is what you want and this is where we're going, this is what you're going to need to get there. It's that simple. There's no, there's no questioning around that. So um, if that's two sessions a week, if that looks like three sessions a week, or if that looks like, hey, I think you should maybe throw in a PT session there as well. Um, you know, um, it's like I said, it's a prescription. It's, it's, it's helping them, you know, and we're delivering our mission. You know, we want to help people achieve their goals. So I'm not going to, not going to sugarcoat, um, how much work needs to be put in to achieve that goal and say, well, you know, just turn up once a week when you feel like it. No, if you want to achieve that goal, this is what you need to do. And this is how we're going to get there. Let's do it. (laughs) Right. I mean, and it seems it seems so obvious when you say it that way, that well, if you know their their goal is going to require them to do three times a week, and they go, I only want to come once a week, and you're thinking like, well, that's not going to get you there. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, I want to I want to achieve my first full pull up in three months. Yeah. I only want to come once a week or or whatever. <laughs> and, and it's like, it's you know, surely it's your obligation to say to them, hey, look, that's what you've proposed there, I'm going to take your money and we're going to do a session every week. And in three months, you're not going to be able to do a pull up, right? Because you've, what you've proposed there is, is not the solution. It's, it's it's not, it's just, you know what? It's just, it's, if that's what you want and you want me to help you, I can help you best if we do it this way, because it's worked. You know, I, I, you know, and, and, Mm. Look at the end mm. of the day, we we are we are human beings, and we all need like I I see a chiro and I see a physiotherapist because I need someone to see in my body what I can't see. There are things that I can't see in my body, and I need help with those things. So when someone comes to me and they're asking me for help, um, it's my job to help them to achieve those things. Mm. You know, I think it's it's that's very straightforward, and it always mm. has been in my mind. Great. I'm sure that's a big part of why you're successful. I think the, you know, the perfect marriage there of, of taking the client's goals and expectations and preferences into account is like, you know, that conversation part that you're having at the, at the start where you're basically deeply understanding why they've come to you and what's important to them. And, you know, all of their emotional kind of concerns around exercise, if they have any, or, you know, whatever's going on for them. And then once you fully understand what they want, you're like, oh, okay, well, here's how to get that. Yeah. Right. And so that that's where you're you like you have more expertise, obviously, in exercise programming than the client does. Otherwise, 
They do it themselves. So, but the client has more expertise in, right. But the client has more expertise in, in knowing what their own goals are and knowing what their own concerns are and what their own preferences are. Like, so you each have like one piece of the puzzle. And once you stick your two puzzle pieces together, you know, then you can come up with a plan that achieves their goal. But so, yeah, so I really like that. And I think a lot of Pilates instructors, and I used to be this way as well, sort of fall into the, into the role of being, I guess what I'd call an order taker. Like, I don't know, if you go down to the, to, to the local, I don't know, um, food store and you say, I'll have, you know, a sandwich with lettuce, cheese and tomato or whatever. It's like, you just the, the the customer is telling you what they want, and you just sort of go, okay, great. Here, here's your sandwich, mm-hmm. right? Um, rather than the role of a health professional, which is more consultative and first seeks to understand, you know, what the client's trying to achieve by having a lettuce, cheese, and tomato sandwich, and why that's important, and what's you know what's the problem with what they're currently doing, what they've tried in the past that hasn't worked, and all of the rest of it, and then going, actually, what you need is not a lettuce, cheese, and tomato sandwich. What you need is whatever else, right? It's, yeah. it's then prescribing the solution to their problem. So I think that's brilliant. I think it's a it's a subtle point, but it's a fundamental and really powerful point that when we take the time to understand the client's goals, needs, preferences, concerns, etc., and then once we've fully understood, we come up with a plan and say to the client, okay, here's the plan that's going to get you there. And like that sort of, um, so rather than sort of saying to the client, oh, you could do one-on-ones or you could do this or you could do that, just saying like, hey, okay, great. I feel like I've heard you. Here's what I've heard you say. Okay. And if that's true that that's your goal, here's the plan. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. And it's complete with a follow-up that, phone call. That's, that's the way to help people achieve their goals. Yeah, exactly. And they don't leave not knowing what's going on. They, they leave knowing that they're going to receive a phone call that day. They're going to be booked into the sessions in the time preferences that they've given me and I'll see them on this day. And there's, there's certainty in that for them and for me. So you, you walk out of that session, both of you, the, the, the instructor and the client, with certainty as to what the next steps are and when those next steps are going to happen. Correct. All right. So Pilates people out there in the stratosphere, if you're struggling to – I think this has been a bit of unexpected gold in this conversation <laughs> already, that if you struggle and clients if clients come in and you've, you're possibly falling into the role of order taker and, and the client walks in and you find yourself saying, oh, what did you want to do, one-on-ones or – group or whatever and the client just tells you what they want to do and you go okay the change room's over there um this is i think this is a really powerful thing that you could implement of sitting down with that client for half an hour and listening to their story and asking them a few questions about their goals and preferences and expectations and concerns and then once you feel clear you've understood them formulating a plan for them and saying okay here's the plan that that's going to get you to that goal and the plan might be some combination of one-on-ones, X number of times a week, you know, or slash and studio sessions or slash and group sessions. But it's basically you telling the client, okay, here's your goal. Here's what you need to do to get there. All right. So that sounds like a freaking awesome process. I love it. Yeah. So why did you change it? Well, first of all, you're hired because that sounded really good, what you just said. <laughs> you can come work for us in your free time, right? If I, if I need a job, I know, yeah. where, I know where to work. You just delivered that really well. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, I'm sorry. What was the question? 
Um, so, well, you've got a, you had a great process there. So, yeah. why did you change it? Um, no, well, I mean, I guess that w- the o- the only thing that we changed that that is a good that is our process. That is a great process. The only thing that we changed was basically what we were doing. We were very structured. We were very regimented. So, let's say prior to doing um, so for. Um, for the girls that I'm working with, Emily and Clancy, at the moment, um, we're doing the the course together. And um, prior to doing the breathe course, um, our consult process was very um, structured. We are doing this exercise, we are doing this exercise, and this exercise. So there was six mats, six reformer, um, and it was we were looking at cueing, correcting, and we were looking at technique. And a lot of that um, unnecessary um, micromanagement of people's bodies, I, I, I'm not sure if that's the correct terminology for it, but I'm rolling with it, um, has gone out the window. Um, and we've simplified the process, um, the, the, the line of questioning and the conversation that's, that's had is based around um, now home and work life, sleep, um, their movement outside of their their work, um, their functional goals. Um, and then we go through whatever movements we feel that they need to be, we need to see from them that day. So that could be Matt, that could be reformer. Um, <clears throat> it's simplified in the way that we're paying more attention to the to the whole person that's in front of us. You know, we're adopting that whole person framework. We still have the same delivery at the end of that consultation, um, but the we're not we're not locking instructors into you need to do these six six exercises and then write down what you've seen and then do these six exercises. Make sure you talk to them about their breathing. Make sure you talk to them about you know um, abdominal contraction and this and that. We're just allowing that person to be in that space to give us the information that they need to give us and to see where that's going to lead us, you know, with with how we're going to, what step we're going to have for the next. <clears throat> so the overall structure of your process hasn't changed, that you do a talking assessment, then you do a physical, you know, an exercise-based assessment, yeah. and then you <clears throat> give your guidance. And, yeah, so that, that basic structure remains the same. What has changed, though, is are the questions that you ask. Yes. And in that initial phase, so and what and and also which and you've and also which movements you ask the person to show you and and how you are cueing them through those movements. So so let's talk talk to me about uh, you know what you've changed in in the talking part of the assessment because what you just described briefly there sounds like I was just thinking oh that sounds like awesome if I went to a physio and they asked me those questions I'd be like oh this is this person knows what they're doing <laughs> so yeah tell me <laughs> tell me tell me about what you are what do, what do you ask what do you ask in that talking phase what I'm what I'm what I'm asking about <clears throat> is I'm trying to get a, a deeper understanding of where their body's at so for me to understand that, I need to know, um, <clears throat> yeah, basically um, it's it, it looks like the whole person framework. I need to know how much sleep they get a night. Um, you know, there's a discussion about their home and work life, any injuries or surgeries. 
and their functional goals. Because as you well know, someone may come in and say, well, I want to be able to do the splits in three months. And the next person comes in and says, well, I've just had grandkids and I realized that, you know, I, um, I can't bend down to pick their toys up off the floor. So there's two very, there's, there's two very big differences between those two goals. Um, and there's a big indication of where we're going to go with that person. Once we find out that functional goal, we're going to reverse engineer it, right? So, um, and start from where we need to start from. So the person who wants to do the front splits, you know, I'm looking at it totally, I might pop them up onto the reformer straight away, but the person who needs to get down and pick up that thing off the floor, well, I'm just going to start with their range of motion. I'm just going to see where they are today. Um, so it's really driving straight into that person and when they walk through the door, you know, where they are today and where we're starting from because that's the starting point and it doesn't matter what it looks like, um, that's where we're starting from. Hmm. So it sounds like you're basing a lot of the movement decisions around the client's functional goal, like the activity that they want to be able to do better or fully that they can't currently do. Correct. Correct. And I think a lot of the time, well, not I think, I know that a lot of our, a lot of clients that come in, um, they're, they're, they don't, they don't allow themselves enough time to um, just, just breathe and just be in their bodies. I think that's a big thing that I see in the studio. Um Allowing people to, instead of cueing and correcting and directing and, and doing all of those things that are important, don't get me wrong, they are important. Um, you know, we want people to be doing things correctly, but there's a time and a place for that. And <clears throat> when people come in, um, just allowing them to be in the space and to find themselves in the space, I think a lot of the time I hear people as Pilates instructors and and I've said it myself a thousand times, you know, I help people, I help people. It's, it's more than that. It's, you know, because for me, I, I have, I feel like I can help someone when I'm down at Woolworths by letting them go in front of the queue, like go in front of me in the queue if they're rushing, you know, that's helping someone. I feel that tapping someone into their own body and helping them to feel their, what they're feeling um, you, you know, as you would well know, just getting someone to tap into themselves and feel movement is an extraordinary thing. It's like watching a little caterpillar turning to a butterfly because that's where they fall in love with Pilates. That's, you know, and it always happens. It always happens. It's that beautiful process where, you know, people come in and go, oh, you know, Amanda, I don't have a core. Well, you know, you do. <laughs> it's definitely there. Let's 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 uncover it let's and giving them the space to to find those movements you know I've learned that correcting and cueing and moving people constantly is just not necessary you know it doesn't need to be jumped upon straight away you know I can allow them to do what they do and show me how their body moves and then we can start working on some other ideas or some other patterns of movement you know, and develop those over time. Um, yeah. Do you think that, because this is something that I, I kind of wrestle with, I'm not sure what the answer is. Do you think that there's 
something they're tied up in. You know, like what, I, mean, I guess my question is like, why do you think we, as a as an industry, <laughs> um, I've done it. Um, we we've all done it. Many of us still do it. Love you, love you if you still do it. No, no hard feelings, no disrespect. But you know, why do why do we feel the need to to use to to basically be talking constantly and you know correcting the client fifteen times as they extend their elbow? Um, is yeah. Wh- why do you think we why do you think we do that? I would say that previous trainings um, had us had had myself personally very focused in on those things, and. As I moved through, I remember going to a later course, like a few years later, and and the instructor online said, "Hey, listen, all you people that have been teaching Pilates for a while, you know, make sure you get your cueing right. You're all laxed into this, you know, Pilates laziness." I think she said, and I <laughs> I knew she was talking to me, um, because I started paying more attention to yes, the movement, but what's yeah i started paying more attention to the person i think and and what i found is that the less talking i was doing the more attention i was actually giving to that person um yeah it's quite a beautiful process i'm still unrolling like i'm still rolling through this process within myself to be honest i'm always learning like i learn every day i get a different person, a different conversation, a, a bigger challenge, a um, something that comes out of left field and it's challenging and it's surprising and I learn something um, and I love that. Um, but, yeah, I feel that perhaps my growth and my knowledge as an instructor has allowed me to stop talking as much um, because I'm more focused on where I'm going with that person. And sometimes that requires less, less talk and more action. Yeah. I think there are several layers there. And one of them is to do with our confidence and as sort of, um, that we don't need to, to prove ourselves or to demonstrate our expertise or skill or value by like the number of cues and corrections that we give mm. and that it's that the quantity of cueing that we give is, has almost zero correlation with how much value that person receives in the session. Um, but it's a visible marker of us like quote working, you know, like if you're just like literally standing there watching the client in silence and letting them experience like it, you on the outside, you're basically not doing anything. Right. So it's like, well, what are you doing to earn your money? Whereas if you're like, you know, telling them every, what every like muscle in their body should be doing, you know, every moment of the exercise, you're, you know, you're, you're doing something, you know? So it's, I think that, I think there's a part of, there's a, there's a component of that for a lot of us. And I also think that, um, just the, 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 that notion that the value that the client receives is not proportionate to how hard you work. It's like we're in a knowledge profession where your skill 
and this skill in exercise prescription, but also your skill in empathy and your and connection and goal setting, all of these sort of human skills as well. Your skill determines the client's outcome, not your how hard you work. Like you can't do the push-ups for the client, you know. So all you can do is skillfully, you know, empower the client to do the push-ups when they need to do the push-ups. And so I think there's a disconnect there between like, actually it's, this is not the same as digging ditches. You know, it's not like if you, if you, if you work twice as hard, you get twice as much done. Mm. Um, this is, this is knowledge work where you can multiply your effectiveness by asking the right question at the right time rather than, you know, asking 50 questions or giving 50 instructions necessarily. Yeah, correct. And I think it, it, yeah, it's a, it's definitely, there's definitely different, every, every instructor is different. And, um, I, I am, I am definitely not an instructor that feels the need to continually talk and cue and, and rattle off muscle names. And, and, you know, I, I think there's an ability to shift yourself as an instructor between, um, as you said, those human traits. So being like empathetic on one end of the scale and then, a bit stoic and tough love down the other end and the ability to transition between those depending on the person that you're dealing with is a really good ability to have, I believe, and I think it serves people very well. Yeah, and I think what you touched on there is, is a, I think is a really profound truth is that when you focus on the, when you're focused on the, what the client needs in the moment rather than on what you're doing, like rather than focus on like, am I using the right cue or the right prop or the right whatever, just, and you focused m- much more on what the client needs. Like, well, does the client need to be understood in this moment or does the client need clear direction or does the client need a figurative, like, you know, whack on the backside? Exactly. You know, or do they need a figurative hug? You know, like, <laughs> and so when you're focused on the client, it's, it's, you know, like it, it often I find anyway, it becomes a lot, it becomes very obvious what you need to do. And I think a lot of that, uh, sort of excessive talking that I used to do came from thinking, focusing on myself and thinking, you know, focusing like, Oh, the client will think I don't know what I'm talking about or the client, blah, blah, you know, will, will think this of me or my fellow instructors will think that of me. It's like, well, no one gives a shit about that. Like the clients come here because they want to achieve an outcome. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so let's focus exactly. on that. Exactly. <laughs> and at the end of the day, everyone in the room is probably just focusing in on themselves anyway. Do you know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're, exactly. they're worried about this themselves. <laughs> All right. So you've gone from from a a very regimented, structured process to a much looser process, but it still does, it has a structure, but it's a much looser structure. So mm-hmm. you still do the talking and there's, I'm sure there are certain questions that you commonly ask, like what, you know, why did you come to see us today and what will a successful outcome look like for you? And do you have any concerns and, you know, those types of things, but it's really, you know, is it, is it the case then just checking that you're, you're eliciting, which means to draw forth their, the client's goals, their concerns um, you know, maybe what they've tried in the past that, you know, has or hasn't worked for them. Um, yeah. Is there anything else that you're, that you're, is that what you're checking for? And is there anything else that you're checking for in that initial conversation? No, that, that sounds, that sounds pretty much spot on. Yeah. Like the, 
But you're you're also talking. You also mentioned uh, I never recall about you talk about their sleep and their work and their home life because when you talk and which was really struck me as awesome because when you if I come to you for back pain or shoulder pain or shoulder pain or whatever it's like well those things are all relevant. So and even if I come to you to want to do the splits or do a pull up like those things are relevant. Of course they are. Yeah. So yeah. So how do they? How do those questions fit into fit into the consult? Like, like when, when do you ask, you know, cause I, I guess I'm, what I'm imagining is some people, uh, when they uh, might, some instructors out there might feel like, oh, well, is it my place to ask about sleep? You know, would people find that like kind of intrusive? Mm, mm. Um, so yeah, how do you, how do you have that conversation in a way that the client's like happy to have that conversation with you? Um, you know, you know, I, I think, um, I'm a, I'm a fairly upfront, open and honest person and I find that vulnerability breeds vulnerability. Um, I feel sometimes um, understanding and listening can um, often lead people to say more than what they thought they would say in a consultation. Like I said, a lot of the times people do um, end up in tears and, and, you know, I'm not scared to ask them about their pelvic floor function on, you know, in that first 10 minutes, 15 minutes, you know, um, I, the conversation for me is me trying to connect with them to find out where they've, how they've arrived to where they're at today. And what are all the situations and and what are all the paths that have led them to me? And how are we going to move forward collectively? How are we going to move forward and help you to change those things that we're talking about? And those all of those factors come into a person's overall health, you know, their 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 sleep patterns, their their food, their their what they do for work, um, you know, as you would have seen, you know, we saw so much, you know, during during COVID, the aftermath of COVID, the the rise of back, you know, sore backs and and sedentary lifestyle, and what that what that brought into the studio was another another level of, um, you know, people in pain, um, and a lot of the time unprescribed pain and they don't know what it is and they don't know how to fix it and they don't know what to do. And sometimes we're the last port of call. They might have been to five other um, therapists or physicians and they might be just about to head in for surgery and they really don't know. And I think that going into those conversations are, they're so important. They're, they're so important because it, it really it gives me direction of where where we're going to go with them with that person. Okay, so the, it's it's really it's that person's story, mm. and you know what brought them to you today. You know what they want to achieve, what if their concerns are, if any, uh, what uh, also just their general health, so sleep work, you know, lifestyle slash diet. Um, and so you're building a picture of, of, of their general health and what they've tried in the past and maybe some of their getting a sense of some of their beliefs around exercise and pain and, uh, fitness. And, 
uh, I think also it's, you know, it sounds you're also allowing them to feel heard possibly for the first time ever by a, a health or fitness provider, because instead of interrupting them in the first 11 seconds, you let them tell you, you know, their story. And then when you're clear on what their goals are, uh, and, and I, I don't know, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe I've, I'm sort of imagining this, but so tell me if I'm wrong, but you know, when you're setting, when you're asking people like, why did you come in today? Or what prompted you to come and see us? That kind of thing. Like often you'll get kind of a surface level answer to that. Like I want to get fitter or I want to get in better shape or, you know, whatever. But I'm imagining you go a bit deeper than that and you go, yeah, why? You ask them kind of like, well, specifically, what would that look like for you? Yeah. Yeah. Saying, asking why and being silent is sometimes a really powerful question. Um, the ability to sit for a minute and just say, yeah, and, and, and why is that? And just pausing. And, and you'll get a deeper level. You'll get another level and then you'll get another level. And, and, um, you just need to be paying attention, you know, it's, um, it's, it's important. It's important because in, in those answers as well, it tells me how emotionally or how, either how physically and how much in pain they are or how emotionally in pain they are and how driven they are to achieve what they're telling me they want to achieve. You can hear that when someone's talking to you. Um, if you get to the reason underneath the reason underneath the reason, you know, and it's not just to be fitter. Um, there's always something deeper than that, always. Right, ag agreed. And for the, you know, so for the grandparent who can't pick up the toys off the ground, yeah, that's a very pragmatic and specific kind of functional goal. But it might be underneath that might be like, well, I'm don't feel like I'm being a good grandparent. Yeah. And then it might be like, well, I've only got a few years left on this earth and this is a special time with my grandkids and I feel it's going and I'm not able to be present with them. Yeah. Like that becomes a powerful motivation that, for somebody to, that, <laughs> to achieve that stuff, their goal. Even when you said it, that makes my heart go, <gasps> okay, let's go. What are we doing? Do you know what I mean? I want to. That gives me connection. I connect with that. You know, that's the information it's 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 the deeper level because then I'm on board. I'm excited. I'm already excited about what we're going to do and how we're going to achieve it and how we're going to get there. Like I'm pumped. <laughs> Come see me every day. <laughs> you know, um, that's that that's the connection. That's it's so powerful. It's so powerful. But you have to. I think you really do as a person have to have to just stop and and hear it. You know, listen for it. You know, it's huge. All right. So just say we've done our assessment, our, our, sorry, our talking assessment. So how do you choose which exercises or which movements you want to see me do? What's your process? Um, okay. So the process of um, where we would direct you to go next would be depending on that information that we've kind of gathered. So we've gathered information, um, we've seen you move, um, we've talked about your goals and where you want to go. Oh, so sorry. I, can we just back up to the, the seeing the move part? So like you've talked about my goals and we've done all the talking. Yep. But so now you just want to see me move. Yep. Right? So in, instead of the six mat work and six reformer exercises, oh, right. what yep. are you doing now and how do you choose? how do you choose which specific movements you want me to do? 
We have, uh, well, Emily and I kind of put down a few things. We just like to see some general spinal movement um, on the mat. So just some flexion and extension and rotation and see what feels good, see what doesn't feel good. Um, um, Obviously, those decisions are made as well based off that conversation if there's injuries and so forth involved. Um, And then just going into um, simple movements like just doing chest lift and um, bridges, go there. If we're confident there and we're moving there, let's get to know a reformer. Basically, if you don't already know one or you haven't been introduced to one, I think the majority of the time, um, the rest of the time spent should be on the reformer, um, moving and and talking to people about how um, movement on the reformer can improve their strength and help them to achieve their goals. Um, so, and, and I would kind right. of, so I'm on the reform. So I've, I've, I've told you about my grandkids. Yep. Oh, sorry to interrupt. So I've told you about my grandkids and I want to pick up the toys off the floor and you've watched me do some chest lifts and things. And now we're on the reformer and we're doing, I don't know, feeding straps or whatever. And you're going, Oh, this is, this one will really help you increase the flexibility of your hips so you can get down to the floor. And you, you explain to me why everything's going, why it's going to benefit me, right? How this is going to help me achieve my goal. Mm-hmm. Um, Yes, yes, but there's also a there, there's that moving back to that element as well of just tapping you into your body and seeing how in tune you are with your body. So you might just kind of lay down and start with with footwork. Um, as as you know, we've experienced in the studio, some people coming onto a reformer for f- the first time um, need to just be walked through and explain a few things about the reformer, get used to the movement. So footwork's a really good place to start, especially if they haven't been on one before. Um, feed in straps, um, having a look at some arm movements, um, and some, just some general abdominal work would basically give us an all over look, um, at their body and their movement. Um, and we'd be able to kind of, well, we do, um, say, well, here's where we're going from here. And if that looks like a couple of private sessions because they're not super confident or some studio sessions because they're working on a particular injury or ailment that they're having an issue with or they're good to go into group um, and the groups that we have a, a variety of a variety of fitness levels and a variety of, I mean, there is no entry level of fitness for Pilates at all in my, in my books. Um, you can, you can come in at any time and you can start from any spot. So, um, we would kind of go from there, especially with the, with the groups, putting them with, in with a group of people that we think would be suitable for them. Um, and where they would feel comfortable. I think that's the most important thing is making sure they're going into the spot where they're going to feel comfortable. Huh. So, I mean, it's not entirely dictated by when the client wants to attend. It's also partly or fully dictated by, I think you'll do well in Mary's Wednesday night class because I think that group of people will suit you. Yeah. Yeah. Or she says, well, you know, someone might say, I can kind of come from 6.30 any afternoon. Um, we might say, okay, well, oh, fantastic. Cause I've got a group and it's with this instructor. She's going to be great. You know, she's going to show you the ropes, the groups, a really great group, um, you know, um, and, and yeah, lead the lead in that way, you know, 
um, if if that's if that's where we believe they should straight go go in straight away. And and you said it's kind of an intuitive decision, and I, I imagine most people listening to this like once can imagine like once you've sort of talked to someone about their goals and understood their history a bit, and then watched them move in a bunch of you know sort of foundational movements like spinal flexion, extension, rotation, some basic movements on the reformer, you'd have a pretty good sense of whether this person needs a couple of one-on-ones or whether they're ready to jump straight into group class. And so it's just just kind of a gut feel. You kind of just know it when you see it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You can, I think, you know, if you spend an hour with a person, you know. (laughs) All right. So, so I want to just, you know, just, just before we finish, I want to talk a little bit about, um, your rollout of this process because what you've explained to me sounds like a a great change, like a real powerful change, but it's not just you. You've got multiple trainers working with you and then you have multiple studios and you've got a franchise, (laughs) which is presumably pretty systematized. And that's kind of the whole basis of what a franchise is, is like you're selling the systems and the, the, you know, the 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 standard operating procedure manual so like so how do you roll out so firstly how do you enroll your staff if you've been doing it a certain way for you know for ages how do you enroll your staff to do it a new way and how do you get them on board with that and get them like enthusiastically participating in the process what's your secret (laughs) well it's I think every everyone I, I I truly do believe that in a in a studio you you attract in the energy that you put out and that's that's comes across in your clientele and that definitely comes across in your instructors. And um, the majority of the time the instructors that we're attracting in are usually very like-minded people to ourselves. Um, and you know when they when they come in, um, to join us, it doesn't bother me where they've studied or how they've studied, um, or um, you know, obviously if they've got the qualifications to be teaching reformer, that's important. But we um, do say straight off the bat, we have a consultation process. We will run through that consultation process, or the manager of the studio will run run through that consultation process with you. Um, so your initial, um, you know, if we're putting you onto a couple of classes. Um, you will be shown that consultation process straight off the bat and how we do it, how we enter into the notes, how we share those notes um, so that, that they're, they're, they're brought straight into a community and a team that works together for the greater good. Mm-hmm. So, all right, So, and I agree, I agree with you, and that's been my experience of, of running a business is you know, how do you manage change? Well, the first thing is pick the right people to work on the team. 100%. It doesn't mean that you don't sometimes, though. It doesn't mean. (laughs) Um, And, you know, at Breathe Education at the moment, we've got a fantastic team of people where change is very easy to talk Mm. about, but it wasn't always that way. And I think uh, it's partly, certainly partly cultural, but I think a lot of the culture comes from who you hire and how you go about hiring people, people in the first place. So yeah, I agree with you on that one. Attracting like-minded people is very important. So, all right, but, but I'm intrigued. I want to dig a little bit deeper. So you, like, you know, so just say I'm, I don't know, Clancy and I've come on board with you some time ago and you inducted me and said, okay, Clancy, here's our, here's our, um, consult process and, here's what you do and here's how you write the notes and here's how you 
you know, here are the steps, etc. And then so I'm going about my merry way, you know, doing my consult, writing my notes, doing all the things like you've told me. And then one day you come along and go, oh, we're not doing it that way anymore. You know, we're doing it this new way. Like, so how do, how do you manage that transition? <laughs> well, we do. We put on, we, we do put on, um, so we do do like consultation sort of training, um, um, you know, in the, in the studio. So we might say, okay, everyone who needs to touch base on their consultation training, come across to the studio on Bella Vista on a Saturday. We're doing it in this hour. We do educational um, things. We try to do them quarterly in the studio. So for all of our instructors, because like I said, we're all from different um, schools um, and that I, I see as fantastic because we all learn a lot of things from each other. So a lot of the time getting to getting together and sharing ideas Um I think the last consultation process I did was over at our Dural studio um, and I sat down and I had a couple of um, new instructors um, and there was a couple from Breathe as well and we just went through, we went through this process together and we, it was an open Q&A and a let's, let's roll through this and let's um, talk about why we do this and, and, and the reasons for it and, and that we want the client to, to feel comfortable and, um, I don't know. I don't know. It's people just jump on. Everyone seems to jump on board with it. Everyone's like, "Yeah, that's awesome. Let's do it." It's, I've, <laughs> and I think that that does come down to to having the right people in there. You know, it really does. <laughs> I've never had anyone say, "No, I'm not doing that." <laughs> and by the sounds of it, you've yeah. So by the sounds of it, you've chosen the right people, and you've also uh, built a culture where people are open to to adjusting it's a uh, it's a culture changes. yeah it is it's a culture and and that's that's really important you know where like i like i said to you at the beginning you know our business was started by myself and my brother we're very family orientated we see our staff members as our family and we treat them as so and and it's a very we're a close-knit community and it's it's beautiful <laughs> it's amazing and um that includes you know keeping keeping everyone in the loop. You know, I never want any of my instructors. And like I said, they're all at different stages of their training, but I never want them to feel like they can't, they're with someone and they don't know what to do, or they don't know where to go next with that person, or they've done a consultation. And, you know, it happened a few months ago where I got a call and an instructor said, I'm out of my depth, Amanda. I don't know what to do with this lady. These are all the problems she's got. Here are the scan reports. What do I do? And I said, it's okay. It's going to be okay. You know, that is, that's, that's, that's the, that's the culture that we have. It's supportive. It's, um, it's a community and, um, you know, I, I want our instructors to feel not only that they can be themselves and they can teach the class they want to teach and train, um, the clients, how they see fit, but I want them to also feel supported and safe in that environment as well. I think that's really important to feel supported and safe in your workplace. Sounds like you found or a really beautiful balance between structure and freedom for your for the way that you run your business. Yeah, I guess so. Is that what it sounds like? <laughs> well, it, it sounds like you you have uh, processes. Uh, but you also allow people, the processes are more guidelines. They're not like rule 
like step by step by step by step tick tick box things. They're like, okay, here's the general principles of how we do this. Here's the general process. Here are the general steps that we, you know, this is the sequence of events that needs to happen. And within that, you know, go crazy and uh, do it the way you do yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And I think that there's a, you know, I'm I'm not, um, you know, like I said, everyone has a different process for how they're teaching and what they're doing. And, you know, I do go into, I encourage all of our instructors to go across to other studios and participate in other instructors' classes because that's how we learn. Um, we learn things when we do, we'll participate with other people. But there is a, you know, I am not... I am not afraid as a person to um, to say to someone, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I may not be the person to to work with you. I might not be, you know, if if, um, but I think that Emily would be fantastic for you in this situation and what you're describing to me and who you are and 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 what you need. This is the person that I think that you should be working with, and I think that our instructors should have the freedom to teach how they want to teach. Um, and they all have, like every human in the world, we all have strengths and we all have flaws. Now, if I exploit the hell out of the instructor's strengths, you know, those clients are getting what they came for. And mm. it might not be what they thought they walked in for, but um, for me it's finding the, the person that's able to work with them. And, and deliver them, you know, what they need. Because they, when they walked in, they thought they just wanted to pick up the toys off the floor, but now they realise <laughs> they want to spend the most meaningful years of their remaining life with their grandkids. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Might have gone too deep. <laughs> <laughs> so, has this? How does this? How has this played out? Um, you know, how how does, you know, now that you've had clients going through this new sort of intake process, mm. has that changed anything about the way the classes run? No, not really. I, I think the only difference is that we have, I guess we have, we can facilitate clinical a lot better now. Um, it hasn't changed the, the running of the, the classes at all. No, no, not at all. What, how can you, why, why does this enable you to facilitate the clinical sessions more effectively? Just because we're paying, I guess we're paying a little bit more attention um, to, to moving people through stages of their, particularly, you know, if they're in rehabilitation, um, but we're moving people through those stages. And if if they do come in and they, oh, I just want to do the group reformer classes, um, fantastic. That's where we want them to go as well. But we might take a month or so, or, you know, to get them there. Um, so just moving them through mm -hmm. the processes and, you know, making sure that we're keeping them on on the on the roll towards their goals. When you say stages, what what stages do you mean? Of rehabilitation or the stages of like moving into from one session to another? Oh, either you said you just like you make sure that they're moving through those stages. So what oh, do you the, mean by that? like the mm, progressions of their program that we're working on with mm. them. So you will map out so if I come to you and I you know I want to get into group classes but do you think it's a better plan for me to start with maybe some one-on-ones and then move into the studio for a bit and then go to group classes? You'll map out a plan. You know, stage one, we'll do some one-on-ones and we'll get these things happening. Stage two, we'll achieve these things in the clinical setting. And then stage three, you get to do the group classes. Yeah, exactly right. So we might go, hey, you know what, we're, we're going we're gonna to do a 10, 10 session. We'll do you 10 sessions and we'll do those in studio. 
once we've done those 10 sessions, we'll, we'll reassess and then we'll, you know, we'll look at the groups that are going to, that are going to suit you moving forward. So like you, like, you know, everyone, everyone does come in, um, you know, within two, three, four, five weeks and, you know, doing a couple of classes a week, they can completely change their movement in such a short period of time. Totally. It's miraculous, it's you know, it's, yeah. it's amazing. And, and, you know, sometimes those 10 sessions, you know, they're, they're, they're getting into the class already, you know, <laughs> we're giving them really some crazy stuff, you know, some people move really quick and other people need time to move a little bit slower and that's okay too. You know, everyone's different. And I love the assumption that you made in that statement of, oh, you know, we'll, we'll start you off with 10 sessions of clinical and then we'll see which group sessions are going to suit you best. You know, so it's like, well, of course you're going to do group sessions. Like that's not a question. The only question is which ones will suit you best. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that's that's a really powerful that's a really powerful uh, assumption that, and I, th- I think that goes back to the right at the start of the conversation, how we talked about, you know, not being an order taker and, and once you're clear on what that person's goal is that, you know, that you don't sort of ask them about the program, you tell them, Hey, all right. So I feel I've understood your goal. It's this, is that correct? And they're like, yes, that's my goal. And then you're like, okay, well, here's what you need to do to achieve that. And it's like, and here's the plan. We're going to start you with some one-on-ones and we'll get you a 10-pack of studio sessions and then we'll see which group sessions are going to work best for you yeah. after that. And it's and it's direct awesome. because, you know what, guess what, Raph, if you come to me and I don't think that you can achieve your goal, you're not going to think that you can achieve it either, right? So you achieving your goal essentially starts with my belief in you that you can do it and that's – Right. the delivery of that because it's the same for me. If I go and I go and try and achieve something, um, you know, I would achieve it twice as fast if there was someone there going, yeah, you know, you're doing awesome, you know, and it doesn't yeah. matter what the goal is. You know, everyone's goal is different. You know, it doesn't, it never looks yeah. the same, but my belief in that goal for you drives you as well. Right. And also just the knowledge, your knowledge and experience, right? So if I've never, you know, tried to achieve this goal before, or, or maybe I've tried, but I've never succeeded. So basically I, I don't know how to achieve this goal yet. And you've done this with like 10,000 people, you know, it's like, well, you know, the steps that are required to achieve that goal. Right. And so just tell me what to do, you know, tell me what to do and bam, then I win. And so that's, that's what we try and do with our, with our business, like with our diploma, with our cert, we map out the steps. We, I mean, we've seen thousands and thousands of students. We know exactly, you know, the students who do their practice teaching, they're the ones that succeed wildly, right? So we try and put a lot of things in place to really make it easy for people to do the practice teaching or, you know, so basically you just map out the process and go, okay, if you want to, if you want to achieve this, here are the steps, step one, step two, step three, yeah. bam. Yeah. There's your path. And it's a process of elimination, isn't it? So it's, these are processes that have been tried and tested and, you know, it's it's probably been tried and tested by me and I've, you know, perhaps failed and gone and tried something else and that's how we learn and then we go, okay, well, that didn't work that time. This time, this this thing that I'm doing now, this is working, so we're going to stick with this. You stick with what works, right? And, you know, if it works, right. you keep doing it. <laughs> well, this has been awesome, Amanda. Um, thank you so much for talking with me and uh, 
I look forward to having another conversation with you maybe soon about the whole franchise thing because I'm intrigued. Uh, maybe we can get your brother on as well. I'm intrigued yeah. about you know your journey of franchising a business because I've never, never. I mean, I know Aaron from KX, uh-huh. um, but I've never sort of sat down with him and interviewed him about his franchising experience. I'd love to talk to you and f- just because you're kind of much earlier in the process. You've got five studios at the moment, yeah. right? Yeah, but you're aiming for a much bigger number. We are, um, and <laughs> and so you're you know relatively early in the journey of of creating a massive empire, a massive empire, um, and <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to understand. I'd really like to pull apart this or understand the transition from being just like a one like a standalone business that was just you and your brother running this sort of single studio yeah. to now it's a franchise business with five locations. And, and the, the, even though it's like five times the size, I'm sure there's a lot, an order of magnitude more complexity or, or maybe not complexity, but maybe just different thinking yes. in how you run a five studio business compared to a one studio business. Definitely. So I think that's something that a lot of people will find interesting because I know a lot of people uh, who I talk to, you know, want to open a studio, but then they also think like, oh, I wouldn't mind opening a second studio after I opened the first studio. And so it's like, yeah, my experience is that is the second studio was like four times harder than the first. Yeah, it's like when you have like, I've got three kids, you know, you have two and you're like, oh, yeah, this is okay. And then you have your third one and you're like, oh, my God, I've only got two hands. (laughs) This is going to be hard work. (laughs) (laughs) And then it's okay. Like, it's fine. They're all still alive. It's great. But, yeah, things multiply. (laughs) And, you know, there's sometimes there's a lot of putting out fires before they get started, you know, and you've got, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of that going on. So yeah, no, it would be fantastic to, um, yeah, get my, get my brother on and, and, and have another chat, um, very soon. That would be amazing. Great. Well, thanks so much. And I look forward to it. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. After two exercise science degrees and over a decade and a half of reading research daily, I've condensed all the current science on rehab into a program called the Clinical Exercise Specialist Rehabilitation. Inside the program, I'll teach you to do three things. One, deeply understand how the body works. Two, confidently and expertly rehab literally any client. And three, get results for your clients. So ultimately, your clients tell their friends and you become known as the go-to expert in your area. This program is completely unlike any education you've done before, even if you've studied with us before, because of the way we've built the learning design. It's an online, flexible, skill-based learning program, which means You keep doing the skills under supervision until you're good at them. It's more of a mentorship model than a traditional course model. So rather than rushing through the content and having sort of one go at everything, you actually just practice live and we give you feedback and guidance and we dialogue and explore concepts together until you're highly skilled and confident. We just keep working the material until you get it. It's not rushed at all. It's not about ticking off the content. It's about engaging, practicing and applying it until you own it. This is a life-changing program, not some weekend certification. I've put my heart and soul into building this, and I can't wait to share it with you and help you discover your genius for anatomy and rehab. 
Now, because of the highly interactive nature of this program, we're only taking on 12 students worldwide. The program starts on March the 1st, and the first 12 qualified people to apply will be allowed to enroll. So if you're interested in learning more, click the link in the show notes and download the course guide or go to breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification menu in our link in the top menu. That's breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification link in the top menu.